Yeah, I was walking out of a store in Moscow, that's right, and the guy just looks at me as I'm walking. Even when they're trying to be polite, it's still intimidating, you know? The guy just looks at me and goes, goodbye. And I'm just like, all right, goodbye. And then he goes, and good luck. I'm thinking, what the fuck's about to happen to me, you know? <laughs> no good at all. Unapologetically hypeless and heartfelt, this is Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. You just got back from being away? Yeah, I've just been up in Newcastle. Oh, yeah. On, on the weekend, did Newcastle Civic Theatre up there. and When, that, you, well, when you say did... Yes, I performed my well, stand-up comedy well, you're show. A, a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> right. you, know, you know that, James. No, I know, know that, but I'm just you know imagining that uh, anyone listening to this would not know that. Right, right. Unless they are a mind reader. Ah. Well, they might, they might have heard it on the little intro clip. They could have if we yeah, had one. If we had one at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, on the weekend I was up at the Civic Theatre doing my stand-up comedy show and that was a lot of fun. They were a really lovely audience but some real strange people in the audience feeling the need to yell out things and right before I'm about to deliver a punchline I'm leading it. You know the bit I do about YouTube? Yes. And it's a long piece, as you know, and I'm building up, building, building, building and I'm just about to get to the first joke. It's like about a seven-minute routine and... For the first part, this lady just yells out, Excuse me, Joel, is there going to be a toilet break? Oh, my God. Right before <laughs> delivering the punchline. And I just stopped and went, oh, my God. And everyone starts laughing and, and I'm like, listen, this is how a joke works, you know, that you have built up a sense of momentum that leads up to the punchline. Now, when someone yells out and ruins that timing, you know, the joke's fucked. And that's basically just what happened. <laughs> Lady, you just fucked my joke. And she was like, oh, I, I just want to know if I can go to the toilet. Little did I, because the show, when I went off stage, I looked at my recording, the show went for 100 minutes. And now that's the longest I've ever done, but it was just, I don't know, it was on such a roll and it was going so well. So this lady gets up and goes to the toilet and then she ends up coming back and I just ad-libbed a heap of routine about, you know, the situation and what just happened. She came back and then I just went, screw it, I'm starting this routine again. I've seen you do the start the routine again. Yeah, thing, and yeah. someone comes in late. Yeah, and yeah, the recap. Where you rewind. And yeah. Do you do that in every show? No, no. It just depends. Like, you know, I've got it in my, my bag of tricks. Okay. Yeah, someone doesn't walk in late. And so i got to feel like it too. It's one of those bits that takes a lot of energy. So, so you're like almost hanging, like... Please, someone walk in now because yeah, it's just perfect time. Yeah, yeah, As a, yeah. Especially if they walk in at the right time. If they work walk in too early, well, there's only two or three things you're going to recap. But if they walk in about like five minutes, ten minutes late, then you can just you know rattle off you know a heap of material that you've already done. I'm often wondering how many people are sitting there busting to go to the toilet, but they're petrified to get up in case that they're going to be reverse heckled. Well, this lady had no problem with it the other night. <laughs> she was like, she was willing to, but she was so polite about it. I think know? I saw her in Manly the other day, actually, because there was a lady walking along with a t-shirt and mm-hmm. I quote, it said, take my mind and run. I thought, <laughs> what a strange t-shirt to wear. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, what a strange t-shirt to print in the first place, let alone. Well, I've it. seen some shockers, you know, like one of them said, wifey. 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 Yeah. I'm sort of taking a note of this, the most stupid, I was going to say stupidest, but I don't think that's a word, yeah, the most yeah. stupid t-shirts. But so far, Take My Mind and Run was the one that, that got me yeah, down yeah. the track. When you do that reverse joke thing, mm-hmm. the thing that I guess it highlighted for me is that you must have a lot of planning into these things. You don't just get up there and wing it. No, no, no. So that, that's the key there. You've got to make it look like you're winging it. 
Right. You know, that's a little secret of stand-up. It's making it seem spontaneous on the night. But it's not really. No, no. And then you've actually got a whole routine to cover the fact that it's a routine for anyone who might have seen you before. I do, yeah. I kind of like to deconstruct the whole idea of what it is as a comedian and someone saying, I've seen him do that bit before. And so, well, of course, it's a routine, hence the word, you know. <laughs> Meaning it's been done more than once. How and you I'm... draw an analogy to like rock bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah I've you, heard that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many people yeah. go see Cold Chisel and go, okay, San, heard it. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen. With jokes, though, it's like, yeah, you got to keep it. You, although all comedians have done jokes, the same joke, night in and night out, it's just making it seem fresh. They must, fresh. Uh, and they borrow jokes too. I've been borrowing quite a few of yours. Mine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, friends can usually borrow jokes of comedians, such as yourself. And Joseph Tawadra, have you met Joe, my mate, the Oud player? He's uh, like won a couple of Aria awards. Uh, and, famous, uh, obviously. I haven't yeah, heard of him. Uh, yeah, yeah, very. World music, world <laughs> music. G'day, and, Joe, if yeah, you're listening. Yeah. Now, Joe, he's like, he's revered in like the world music arena. And he was doing a tour with ACO, the Australian Chamber Orchestra. And he calls me up as Akmal and I were on the road. We're in, I can remember exactly when he called. We're in Port Headland in WA, glamorous place. And he calls up and says, listen, I'm doing this tour. I did a joke of yours last night and it killed and got an applause. Can I do it again? Just on this tour. Yeah, all right, Joe, whatever. Yeah, go ahead, do it. So he does it on the tour. You know, that joke about Afghanistan. Yeah, I love uh, it. Yeah. I love it. And you, so, you should uh, share that. Well, well, I say, you know, I recently got back from doing a performance in Afghanistan and they were brilliant. You know, they got every joke. And really, who would have thought the Taliban would have such a great sense of humor? <laughs> you know? so, so, and then I say, well, I'm glad you guys laughed at it. You know, I did that joke recently in America. Well, a little bit differently. I didn't even get through the whole joke. You know, I was, all I said was, just got back from Afghanistan after performing for the troops. All the audience starts applauding and cheering. I thought, man, they're going to hate this. You know, and they did. So that's essentially the, the, the joke. And he does that and just changes it to classical music. I was over in doing some classical music in Afghanistan. Who would have thought the Taliban would like classical music? So he then has an interview with the Australian newspaper. And, you know, once they say it, once it's in print, you know, as yeah. theirs. So he says the, the joke in the interview. But then he calls up afterwards, calls the journalist and says, you can't credit that for me. My friend Joel Osborne, that's his joke. He's a comedian and, you know, he wrote that joke, so I want to make sure that you credit him with that. No chance of a press doing that. Who does that? Who says <laughs> Who says a story about Joe and then says, and then he said this joke that everyone laughed at, by the way, footnote, that it's not his joke, <laughs> yeah, that he's borrowed it from joke. his friend. So... Anyway, I get a. I'm I'm in Russia and I'm looking up as some you stuff. Are. Yeah, yeah, as you do, yes, you know, I'm you know, Russia. just kicking back in Moscow, and I see this article in the Australian on Joe. And I thought, oh great, so I'm reading the article and then read my joke in the article, and it has nothing credited to me in it. So now it's in print. Joe's doing last week a show in Inverell, northern New South Wales. The Lord Mayor gets up, the the mayor of the of the town introduces Joe and gives him a whole rap and says not only is he known for his uh, great <laughs> great music and compositions, he's also known for his hilarious jokes such as, and then quotes my joke before he introduces him. So, Oh, that's an outrage. Yeah, so like so, you said, people use other, other people's jokes. Well, I, well. I borrowed your heckler, heckler technique when I was in San Diego. Was that the one that I used on you that time? It was a very similar <laughs> one. <laughs> now, here, here, here's something. Remember the, the, the first time... When I hired you. When you hired me, 
You had a, and, you, like, your agent send a form. Y- yes. And it says, here are the, here's the showreel, you know, if you've got any requests or comments. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I submitted my critique. <laughs> James goes online, looks at my videos, and then brings back a whole critique of, I'd like this routine, like that one. I didn't like this one, the fitness first one. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. very funny. They don't like that one. And, and then my agent sends it through to me going, here, James has sent you through this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what? And, and I had only one request, which yes. is... It's it's my event. Yes, I'm the host. My, yes. my audience revere and look up to me. Mm-hmm. Just don't ridicule me. You know, don't I got, reference I got bullied yeah. as a kid. Sure. I, I don't want to be. We all did. That's why the comedian. comedian. Sure. And and you got you man. You did such a great performance. I think I think it said you do what twenty minutes twenty minutes. Or I did forty five. You were there yeah. for forty five minutes, yes. and and you looked over to me and you said, "How am I going?" And I'm going, "You've done enough." You know, like it was. <laughs> you've like. I was thinking, you've over-delivered. You've gone more than twice as long as what I paid for. Mm. And you probably interpreted that in a different way. Yeah, yeah. What did, what, what did I say? <laughs> you said, uh, get fucked. Yes. <laughs> so was, we, which got a riotous reaction from the audience. Did, were very, and, very and then afterwards, James comes up and he goes, mate, I was trying to encourage you. <laughs> and, and, and not only do I say, don't reference me in your act, you end up telling me to go, go get fucked. Let's go. <laughs> so, so I think we've uh, we've so, already earned an explicit label for our podcast. Yes. So you mentioned before that you're in Russia. Mm-hmm. Do you travel there much? No, I've only been there the once. My friend Andrew, did you see him? You... Well, I've got a surprise for you here. Let me just play you something here that might bring back a memory. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. Sort of... That's nothing to do with, <laughs> <laughs> with anything. It's not bringing so back anything. That's uh, that's not the one I was looking for. I've no idea what that was. What was the date of your gig? It was the fourteenth of last month. Fourteenth or seventeenth? Probably the seventeenth. I don't even know my I own schedule. I reckon that schedule. might be. Could be. I mean, you're doing so many. So I've booked out. Oh, this be Andy. We'll see. It was in the State Theatre, right? At the State Theatre. This is Andy, the opera singer. Yes, Andrew Andrew Goodwin. Andrew Goodwin, and then... We got a duet, I think, next. With his wife, Marsha, who yeah. is from Russia. And so you went over to visit them? Yes. Well, Andy always performs at the Bolshoi Theatre, which is like, you know, the premier theatre there in Moscow, or in Russia. And for years, he's been inviting me to go over there. And then last year, uh, he said, you know, doing the magic flute and going to be there for a few weeks. Come on out. So Did you do any routines there? No. Nah. No. <laughs> no, no, no. They're a pretty friendly bunch. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the trains yeah, and stuff. You, oh, yeah, yeah, you got a freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, they love the stare-off competitions. That's what I... Yeah. I like your story about the lady on the train. Yeah, 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 this old lady just... See, the thing is, Russians are lovely people when you're invited into their house and you get to know them. They're so welcoming and there's a real passion there, you know, a real warmth. And when you don't really know... The individual, especially on public transport, is dog-eat-dog, dog, you know. It's a really, yeah, it's survival of the fittest. And it's a very harsh environment. And so when 
when I'm out in public with Andy, he's like, you know, don't speak English, don't talk loud. We don't want people to see that you're a tourist, you become a target. So just, you know, let's keep a low profile. It didn't help that I was wearing a bright blue jacket to, to so when he picked me up from the bus station when I arrived in Right, the, so you're bl- yeah. blending in. Yeah, yeah, everyone's in these dark grey, black, uh, and I'm standing out like a Teletubby. Does it have, does it have any uh, words on it? Um, like, g'day, mate? Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't I didn't go that far. I heart Sydney. No, it was, uh, <laughs> it was just a, a straightforward. Take, Henry- my, take my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had that on the T-shirt under the jacket, so... Um, so I'm wearing so I'm wearing this jacket already standing out, but I thought you know that's it's the age old approach of if you make it really obvious, then you know people think well he can't be you know no idiot tourist would walk around <laughs> in such bright colours like that and bring such attention. They do. Yes, yeah, apparently they do. And where I were on the train, this old lady was just staring at me, and they're the, they're the most intimidating because they've survived the Soviet era, you know Stalin. They got nothing of those. And this old lady's just staring straight ahead at me and. I can just feel her eyes just burning into me and suddenly I'm part of a stare-off competition, you know, I didn't even know I was playing. And I turn to Andy, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, she's been looking at me for like five minutes now. I'm afraid to even look back. I'm being intimidated by someone's goddamn grandmother at the moment. <laughs> and what is she still like, fuck, she's still looking at me. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not a very welcoming environment when you're on public transport. But when you're in their houses, it's great, you know, it's really, yeah. And they, and they gave you some welcoming messaging. Something about goodbye. Oh, yeah. I was walking out of a store in Moscow. That's right. And the guy just looks at me as I'm walking. Even when they're trying to be polite, it's still intimidating. You know, the guy just looks at me and goes, goodbye. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right, goodbye. And then he goes, and good luck. I'm thinking, what the fuck's about to happen to me? Yeah, you know? <laughs> no good at all. No good. Yeah, you'd, be, you'd be wanting to run. Yes, yes. Well, I took the midnight train to Moscow. I'm sorry, from Moscow to St. Petersburg by myself. And I thought, you know, I'll just get on the normal train and, and just, you know, mix it up with, with the true, you know, the true Russians, you know. So there was a sleeper carriage that holds four people. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know what the setup was on it. And I'm waiting on the tarmac at midnight and these big broad-headed Bolshevik-looking heavies are just standing there in their leather jackets in the snow. I'm the, like this, you know, Australian in his bright blue jacket and his backpack waiting to get onto the train. I thought, oh, no, nine hours. No, it was 12 hours of this. But I ended up sharing with a little sweet Asian lady. I went to help her with a bag and she's like, no, thinking that I'm trying to steal her bag. Oh, no. so, right. yeah, so then I suddenly became the intimidating guy for 12 hours. So... Yeah, it was interesting trip. Do you think that your time doing the street humour in the United States helped you with your improvisation? Yeah, sure. So out there in society, we had an interesting scenario. You know my friend Ezra. Yes, uh, Ezra. He, he, unfortunately, Sexy Jesus. Well, he was sleeping when your performance was on at our he, event. He was. He's a bit tired. But uh, him and I were presenting in... Uh, he in wasn't the event. only one sleeping, yeah. <laughs> 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 the guys up in the, uh, the the suburb where Stephen Stephen's family's from, they're, they're sleeping up there, and uh, that uh, that nice part of rural New South Wales. Oh, which which area is yeah, that? The, where the gangsters are and the, the marijuana. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Griffith. Griffith. Yeah, that's right. There's some well, sleeping going on up there. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Ezra and I were presenting, and we had we had this. He said there was a stray dog in the room. In like in, this is in San Diego in the hotel. There was he said there that was he a, was staying in. Yeah, well, we were speaking at this event. Oh right, right. And there was this whole packed out room, and then there was this apparently, allegedly, a stray dog, and there was also a kid who had lost her mum, and she's walking around with her hand up, looking for her mum, and then Ezra says, "Oh look, we've got a little stray doggy," and like. 
you can't talk about a little kid like that. And we, we, had to, we stopped the show. We talked about, and when I say show, I know that sounds a bit more glamorous than an internet marketing convention, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not doing high-level comedy you got to jazz it up. Yeah, and then Ezra said, look, go with that guy. He's got like six kids. He knew the guy. And so she went off, and then I, I started an auction. Do we have any more kids? Perhaps we could, <laughs> do we have seven? Do I hear eight in the back corner? I got nine over there. And it was it was kind of fun, and we got it back on track. But talk about a bizarre interaction. We'd like, we had a lost kid, a runner, a stray dog, we had our screen in front of us wasn't working. So you just have to think on your feet. Sure, sure. The second last time I saw you, which, I mean, that, that's a good indication of how good you are. I actually went back, <laughs> uh, which is promising. There was some real maniac down the front right-hand side of the room or your left. And before the show, he was trying to start a fight with someone. With a disabled lady. He was. He was staring down a disabled lady and shouting at her. Yeah. And then the show started. And Which then, was unbeknownst to me. I didn't know anything about yeah, this before. Like, you, you got I'm my like, back in the audience. This guy like, is right, going to okay. take, like, he's just going to tweak your dial. And, yeah, he kind of steamrolled a bit of the show and then you ended up having him leave. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was, he, but the weird thing was he wasn't heckling. It was, like, out of nowhere. Like just I'd being done, silly. Yeah, and yelling out. And then he stood up and started walking in front of people. Now, at the State Theatre, there's not a lot of room between the seats and people's legs. So people are trying to move as he's walking in front of them within in the aisle just yelling out incoherent stuff and you could tell that the audience already was pissed off with him so whatever i said they were on side you know yes, this, and, and this is the kind of key to dealing with a heckler if someone yells out something initially i've seen some comedians that go on really hard off the bat and the audience goes whoa hang on he's just a guy yelling you know he's trying to have a bit of fun or whatever and they feel oh it could be us next yeah yeah but the key to it is let that guy give him a you know give him a bit of lead and let him run off a bit and then the audience gets annoyed with him, then you can do whatever you like. you got free reign to say whatever you want then because you've got the audience on side then. So for me, that's always been the key to dealing with hecklers. Yeah, and the same thing happens in online communities like forums, mm -hmm. of which I have a couple. If one guy's being silly or a girl and they're asking silly questions or they're starting to take attitude, everyone else sorts them out like yeah, a yeah. pitching mob. Yeah, People yeah. like to get behind it. Sure, and you just let them sort it out then. Exactly. Like you're not getting involved. I've had that in audiences where other people are start heckling the heckler, you know, going off. I'm like, you guys sort this out between yourselves, you know. <laughs> oh, classic. Have you ever noticed when people jog, they never look happy? No. No, they, they look like they're about to keel over. This is, see, this is a perfect area, you know, from, you got like the viewing platform up here. Well, not yeah. only that, like, can you, if you can look down there, by the way, uh, listen, we're in Manly here and we're overlooking Manly Beach. On the promenade. But out the front here, you can see they're building these huge stalls and stadiums. Yeah, I noticed that. I went for a quick um, walk along the oh, doing some recon. There. Yeah, like before coming in. Yeah. Escape route. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Is there a rope over the side here? <laughs> so that's the setup for the uh, surfing professional tour. Well, you got like the perfect box seat. Yeah, box yeah. seat. I'm going to sell here. tickets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I got. Are we putting up tickets on product page for <laughs> penthouse view of the surfing professional? Too. I've been actually, I took up surfing not that yeah, long I, ago. I was meaning to ask, how's it coming along? Because, well, I've got a bit of a technique. It's yeah. working well. I wait until the school comes along down out the front, all the students, and then I just quickly duck out and I sort of blend in. I've got a, a similar length board and a similarly obscenely so brightly free loading. I don't know if it's freeloading. Like, it's not like there's a, a roped off area in the surf. I <laughs> just. I blend in, but I'm getting all the tips, you know, like put all the weight on the front foot, bend your knees, turn yeah. to the side, how's your neck? Okay, start paddling now. I've, I've actually sort of 
work my way up the food chain now to sort of pretend instructor. And I know it's sure it's just been a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So are you giving other people tips? Well, I've yeah. sourced myself a hat that's very instructor esque looking, and now the little kids look to me and they're like, "What about this one?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go for it." Yeah, so yeah. I, and I give their board a little push, <laughs> and then I shout out, "Bend the knees!" <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them gets horrifically injured. It's like, "Man, I yeah. don't even work well, here." The instructor looks across at me and gives me this look like they're going to kill me. <laughs> uh, but it, it is fun, yeah. you know. I'm out there learning how to surf and with, with these eight year olds and. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm learning the rules, you know, don't paddle in front of other surfers. Don't drop in. Yeah, like yeah. we drop, we're one foot surf here, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not <laughs> a big not, deal. Hardly yeah. doing the pipeline just yet. Yeah. But it is it is fun. It's a very challenging. I've got a bit of a bruised rib at the moment. I managed to put the board between me and a large wave and it smashed my ribs. And it's a funny thing with ribs, you have five weeks to heal bruised ribs and six weeks to heal Crack. cracked ribs. So there's really, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Except for... Um, but you're a trooper. You and know, I am a trooper. You're going to get back out there. I do every day. It takes more, more than a cracked rib to stop That's you. That's it. I'm just put a little weight on the other side. For sure. I'm dangerous. Now, did, did this happen right after you told one of the kids, I give him a point, listen, this is how you want to duck dive, kids. <laughs> no, look, see, I go out whether it's big or small. You got a longboard? Yeah. yeah, well, nice. it's eight foot six, and I also have a nine foot two. Mm-hmm. So I'm covered for all small conditions. And when it gets big, it just gets, um, it's too big and dangerous for mm. me. But that's part of the thing. You know, it's it's fun going through a learning curve of doing something for the first time. Sure. Where you're like a complete novice, and you get to, you have a few stacks, you have a few challenges, but it's the habit for me of getting up there. Was it like that when you started the show? You had to keep going back up even though you, you might have been booed off the stage or no one laughs at your jokes in the beginning? Sure. Well, with street because I started off doing street performing and I started off on Circular Quay in, um, in Sydney and that was all like, you know families and tourists and I, I got the skills down there, the basic skills of, like, you know, it's a real psychology. You would have seen with the show that when I did the Venice Beach. I love that. You actually, you sort of went behind the scenes and you told us what you're doing, you know, like making noise and um, telling them something's about to happen but not starting until you get enough draw. Sure, sure. But I also see the kids busking at the circular key or whatever and guys playing at, uh, didgeridoos mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and sometimes if they're not good, which is quite a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you they're not pulling a big crowd, but you see sort of some people like kind of chip in a coin like because yeah. they feel sorry for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's sort of somewhere between a homeless and... Uh, yeah, between a beggar artist. and a performer. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember the story of the violinist with the really expensive violin who they uh, did an experiment with. And they, like he plays a full crowd at the, the theatre and then they take him out on the street with this super expensive violin mm-hmm. and, and busking and people just walk past him like they can't recognise the talent because of the, the framing of it. Sure, sure. So that's- what you revealed really was how to frame yourself in the environment to get the optimised result. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the difference between... So if you're doing an instrument, you know, you can pretty much stay in there all day and play guitar and people can walk by. But when you're doing a street show... You, you know, when I first started doing it, I thought, oh, I'll just start performing and people will stop and go, oh, this is great. N- no. Nothing. Because like I mentioned the other night, the, the people, if you give away too much up front, they feel that they've got something, then they walk away. You've got to create a sense of expectation that something is about to happen. And that's the key to doing the crowd draw. Do you know, like the, the uh, visitor I had just before you is a dating expert. 
he sells uh, millions of dollars worth of products on how to text your ex back, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and it's yeah. all it's the exact same story. Like right. you, you can't give it all away and, and move too quickly in the mm. beginning. It's, it's about. In fact, he sent me a message saying, oh, "I'm I'm downstairs." Can you send me a message back? I'm like, oh shit, this is going to end up in a date. <laughs> you know, like, I've got to be careful here. Flowers end up on my doorstep. <laughs> no, luckily, he brought his wife, and it yeah, was fine. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing is, he was showing me his uh, latest video that makes all the sales, and he's testing it against a different one. And the different version, one one of them is is him there, and he uses a special name for this product, not his real name. And the other version of him is like a Muppet puppet. With his voice, but uh, like an actual hand puppet. Sort of like, not like a Jim Henson level puppet, but better than a sock. Right. Okay. Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, and, and that one is making more sales of his product than him on the camera. So People love puppets. The world is strange. People love puppets. We probably should head off soon. Yeah, we should. We should get going soon. We uh, this has been like the big crowd draw to build up to Tim. The, yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, the bit where like, you know, I think it's safe to say we didn't give everything. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we didn't. We created a sense of interest, which is the most important. Is you it? know, you can get anyone. Anyone can get a bit of attention, but it's interest. You know, and that's the that's the key to uh, street performing. Wonderful. And I think you know the key to the podcasts. You know, Joel Osborne. It's been wonderful catching up. James Shremka. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to another episode of Kicking Back with James Shramko and Joel Osborne. Visit kickingback.com for the show notes, pictures, and join the discussion.